it is great just to know even today that we have people in just about every medium possible. We have people on the outside in the in the patio area and and also in the fellowship hall and in here and online and uh, just opportunities for us to, to be the church gathered. And uh, as Matt was sharing, next Sunday we're going to be having uh, both services. We'll have the traditional music service in the uh, second hour at 11 o'clock, and then we'll have this service here at 9.15. Uh, for a while, we're not going to be doing the food items as far as in between the services. We're looking for the opportunity maybe doing that a little bit later. Uh, but we can still uh, connect and relate with each other in person or online, and uh, that's just a privilege God has for us to be the church gathered. As I mentioned, we're in a series, and we're going to do some things in Christmas in a very special way and, uh, and look forward to what God has for us. But we're in a series called Be Hopeful No Matter What. And as we think about life in 2020, it's no surprise, and we just a uh, series on that, COVID recovery, is that we, we've lived in a strange year with days just uh, being surprising about what we're going to hear announced uh, from the CDC or other people in authority or uh, empowered us to communicate what our restrictions are. And as we think about that, uh, God has called his church to be the church. And so we're, we are called to gather as God's people. Uh, but particularly as I think about being hopeful, often what I think about is, as I was sharing earlier, is the things I wish would happen or wish would not happen. Would you agree with that? Uh, th- that's what brings me hope about somehow I could control my present and my future. That would bring me a lot more enthusiasm for what comes next or what is happening right now. And, and I just want to let you know, as it's obvious, and we went through that, there are, there are things that have broken people's hearts during these days. It's, as you look at mental health, it's skyrocketing in terms of how it's affecting people in a negative way. You look at the suicide rates, you look at uh, children or youth being in school or even young adults, and uh, there's a failure rate and a, and a hopeless feeling as they think about well, what's the use of going through all these um, assignments and uh, not sure what's going to happen next. Uh, the divorce rate is up. Marriages are just uh, being fractured. And it's interesting, even as you look at the birth rate, um, uh, families are, uh, particularly young couples, are thinking, well, why bring a, a child into this world? And I don't know if you've ever done the statistics right, but it, it, they've discovered that in any particular nation, if you if if, if you're not uh, having in the family environment uh, two to 2.5 children uh, happening uh, at the rate of the people in your uh, nation, you're not going to replenish the population. It's going to go down. And as we think about that, there's all kinds of impacts that has in terms of our culture if, if somehow we don't bring new lives into this world. And, and God did that, give that commandment, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And there's plenty of land. And God wants to populate this world to, to know people and to make himself known. But as we think about that, sometimes we, uh, I know for me, is that as I think about my emotional EQ, how it's going at the moment, I'm focusing on things I'm going through. Have you discovered that? I mean, you can have your heart broken for other people's concerns and worries, but if it's happening to you, it just raises the level of frustration. And it can be big things or little things. And, And we need to realize that people have lost their businesses, which just, it's just, it's hard to imagine. There's one thing to be impacted uh, to a certain level financially, but to think of taking everything you've worked for, everything you've planned for, and it, it's now gone. How do you wrap your mind around that? But I want to share with you this, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to go through today, but I, I got a letter from one of our missionaries, Bill and Ann Clemmer, and I had an opportunity to spend a week with them a couple of years ago, and 
Have you ever been around people that when you're with them, you're just humbled? The Clemmers are that, those kind of couples that just amaze you. A successful medical doctor that decided to uh, Bill and his wife Anne to devote their lives to the most primitive areas in this world. And they, um, they just sent out a, a letter, and I'll just, I was going to share two or three of their descriptions of people who were still thankful in the midst of what they were going through. So I remember this. It said, remembering things to be thankful for and about. I remember Nairam Wiza. Her husband and one son were killed in a militia attack. So it's not COVID. It's not just an economic downturn. It's not some things that just frustrate us because we're not sure about where our education is bringing us or our job pursuits have left us. Uh, but can you imagine living in a world, this is the Congo, where you have militia going around just taking lives out. Her husband and one son were killed in a militia attack while Emmanuel, which is one of her other sons, was shot and left paralyzed and bedridden for 10 years. We found a wheelchair for him and he has enrolled in classes. They also have a new little house to live in. And she told me that in her distress, she thought she had no one, but then God did not forget her. She shared with me, I know he cares for the widow and orphan, but who am I that God would prompt persons from across the, an ocean to respond in love to our needs? She cried and praised God in a prayer meeting at their chapel because God's goodness of sending people This is Allegra's fault. <laughs> to share good news to a broken world. So as we think about the challenges to be hopeful in a world that seems hopeless, there are, there are places in the world that beyond all the, 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 the strange things that happened in 2020, this is, their, this is their experience year in and year out. They live in such a polarized nation that they don't know who's going to be in a position of power from one month to the next, and whoever comes to power uh, persecutes all those and extends their military might where they take out lives that are no threat to themselves. And then when you see about the hope they have, it's found in God's love, in God's people who do everything they can to communicate that God is alive and there to impact lives, to, to deal with that which no one can take from us, the living God making his home in our life as Jesus came to set people free. And as we think about that, Peter, and this, is, this has been the, tr- the, the challenge throughout history, and there are various pockets of the world down through the ages that have experienced the brokenness of this world more than other places. But as we look at the New Testament, the New Testament speaks of what happened to that first church, that first group of people that decided that they were going to break from this world and be prepared for the next. As they decided that they weren't going to live their life just centered on themselves, but they would, they would put their life in the hands of the one who came to forgive them of their sins. And as they made that step, sometimes we experience the hardships of this world because the world is broken. But sometimes in our lives, because we are followers of Jesus, God allows even more things to happen to us simply because we decided that we would call Jesus Lord and not someone else. 
And so as Peter writes this letter, it's First Peter, and I invite you to find it in your Bibles. I've got some cross-references in your outline this morning. Last week, we looked at hope is possible. And this week, we're going to look at why, why be hopeful. And as Peter was writing this, and last week I gave you a message and was given to you by the letter C. Every, every major point was alliterated. And this week, no, no point is alliterated, so you can relax on that. But as you think about last week, reading 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verses 1 and 2, Peter begins his letter to a people who needed to hear words of hope. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his, and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be your, yours in the fullest measure. And as he writes these words, and they're, and they're put together in such a way that he, he says so much in just a, a few lines, he, he speaks into a people that had been scattered, and most of this was in the land of Turkey, Asia Minor, and, and they had left their homeland, and not only had they left their homeland, most of them, but they, they needed to realize who they were and, and what God was going to do in their lives. And as Peter writes this, and he is the spokesman for this simple message, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Whether you're living in the Congo or California, be hopeful. No matter how many good things have happened to you or how many bad things have happened to you, be hopeful. And, and Peter was competent, and that would be the first thing. He's competent to give these words because he had lived it. He, he had lived the roller coaster life. He, he, he experienced the defeats in life. And, and, and then he realized that, that the Spirit of God could live within him. And the promises of God were true. And so he was competent to say, look at be hopeful because look at me. I've been a failure in so many ways in following Jesus. But when I put my eyes on him, it, 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 just, it, it just produces in me a joyful anticipation of good that is coming. And so we hear these words from someone who's competent to share that. But, but as we think about that, not only is he competent to, to share that, but also we must realize that he is the one who invites us to recognize that we need to understand what hope is. And one great definition of hope is simply joyfully anticipating or expecting good to come. Uh, but just kind of share it in a, in a, in a acrostic way or, 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 or an alliterated way. What does it mean to be hopeful? It, it means to be content and confident, celebrating a certain future in Christ. That we can be content no matter how good or how bad it gets. And that's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. We can go through life confident. We're, we don't have to, to, to go back in a sense of, of, of nothing's going to work for us. We can be confident because we know the end of the story. In the end, we win. And, and we don't have to think this is wishful thinking, you know, pie in the sky, by and by. No, this is going to happen. It, it, it's a certain future, and we can celebrate that because we're in Christ. So one who is competent gives us words to be hopeful, and he tells us to be content and confident, celebrating a certain future in Christ joyfully anticipating the good that is coming. And, and as he tells us how, to ha- how that can happen, he says, recognize, know this, know that you are, that you, your citizenship is in heaven. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. It's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, so much better because that's where you're going to reside in a place that God has prepared for those who know and love him. Uh, we want you to understand that not only can, do you need to be, recognize your citizenship is in heaven, but you've been chosen. God wants you in his family. 
And sometimes we wonder, just who, who is it out there who loves me? But God loves you. And then as we think about God wants us to celebrate, because there's so much for us to celebrate as we think about who God is and what he does for us. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace. But today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about why be hopeful, which kind of follows the train of thought as we looked at it last week. And I just want to pick out major thoughts as Paul begins this letter, pleading with people that are going through difficult times now, some bad times now, but this is not what you want to be hopeful. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Have you ever heard that before? It's going to get worse before it's going to get better. And he's going to be sharing this because he recognizes they need to be prepared for what's going to happen. As Peter was probably in Rome at the time, probably known as Babylon at the time, and he's writing these words, he could kind of look ahead to see that God was going to do what Jesus said was going to happen to him, that he was going to be crucified for the faith, he was going to become a martyr of the faith. But as he looked at what Nero was doing and what was going to happen, he recognized that, that the Rome had burned and, and Nero wanted someone to blame. And so he decided he would take a certain group of people, followers of Jesus, who wouldn't claim Caesar as Lord, but Jesus as Lord. And, and he would blame them for all that had happened. Because he wanted to rebuild the city. He wanted to be known for being a builder, an empire of, of things that he could bring to pass. And so... What was going to happen was it going to be a great, intense time of persecution. Not only from uh, the Jews who reacted to the Christians taking away all those who had followed him, and not only the other Gentiles who were attacking them because they were bringing people out of their industry, but now Rome itself would come and put their heavy hand upon followers of Jesus. And some of the stories we've all heard about, you know, throwing Christians to lions and, and all those kind of things that happened in the Colosseum, but... A part of the story of, of that period of time is that Nero would, would capture Christians, put them on stakes, put wax around them, and then would light them to shine in the garden at night so he could, they could see the beauty of what he had made. And so they needed to be prepared that it was going to be not only difficult and bad for some that was already their experience, but it was going to get worse. So in the midst of that, why be hopeful when you know circumstantially it's not necessarily going to get better immediately. And so Paul, I mean, Peter writes these words, and we're just going to to touch on them just briefly this morning. Beginning with verse 3, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout this book in in Peter, Peter writes about the Trinitarian God. He, he, he He speaks of God the Father and speaks of God the Son and speaks of God the Spirit. And are all three in one, but as he begins to give praise to God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he recognizes in the midst of us struggling with either what is happening or is going to happen, we need to begin with praise to God. And really the word blessed here is the word praise. It comes from the word we get eulogized. Eulogize God. Take up his name and, and, and make it just abound in not only your own heart and mind, but other people around you. They rec- that you recognize he is worthy of our thanksgiving. He is worthy of our praise. But he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you could say, why? Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And, and that's the first thing I want to just share with you is, is we think about why be hopeful. Well, if you're following Christ, and that's the prerequisite, 
As we think about, okay, how do we make the, take the next step? We have to begin with the first step. And the first step is to follow Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower or learner. That if you put your faith in him and, and you surrender your life to him, th- this is what you can with certainty, because we have a certain future in Christ, you can experience this and be hopeful. Why? Because of this. You have been born again by the great mercy of God. Now, and now part, of, part of our struggle, at least it's part of my struggle, when things go bad, I, I, you know, I have a tendency to say, well, why is this happening to, to me, right? I don't care if it happens to you, but I don't want it to happen to me, right? I mean, I don't deserve this. Have you ever, you ever said that? I mean, whether you say it out loud or not, I don't deserve this. I mean, and, and sometimes it's the little things. We were running around getting a few things together, and, and um, you know, the copier wouldn't work. You know, my whole day was ruined this morning, right? Third, talk about first world, third world, you know, things that hit you. you know, we couldn't get the copy. We eventually got it to work. But, you know, when things don't work like you want them to work, it just frustrates you. But, and then you begin to take a step back and say, hey, why am I so upset about something so minor compared to things that are so important, right? And, and what he's saying here, look it, you have so much to be hopeful about because you've been born again. And, and why? Because you deserved it? No, because of the great mercy of God. What a change of, of how we would live if we would live in such a way that, that we don't deserve good things happening to us. And when everything good, anything, anything good happens, we ought to just celebrate it. It's like, I, can't, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, uh, Naira Mawiza, you know, her, her husband and one of her sons was shot by militia. Emmanuel, I mean killed, Emmanuel was shot and paralyzed. And she's praising God in the midst of that about his goodness because God sent people across the ocean to tell her about Jesus. And really what she said, I've been born again, not because I deserve it, but because of the great mercy of God. And the mercy in comparison to grace is, is mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. We deserve the judgment of God because of our sin and because of God's great mercy, he rescues us. And we're born again. And John chapter three really speaks about Nicodemus' experience of that where he said, look, that doesn't make any sense. He was thinking as an adult who was very learned in the Old Testament, said, how does someone crawl into someone's womb? You, you can't do that. He said, I'm not talking about being born physically, I'm talking about being born spiritually. Titus 3.5 really speaks to that very plainly. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. None of us deserve to have a relationship with God. Isn't that true? None of us deserve the goodness of God. But how did he do that? But according to his mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. For the wage of sin is death, which is separation from God. But by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. God takes a life that doesn't deserve his goodness. Who who even our best deeds are dirty in his own eyes and he washes us and regenerates us, which simply means he gives us new life. So if we go through this period of time or times that is to come and we're not particularly hopeful, we need to recognize that we ought to be joyfully anticipating, expecting good is going to come because we've read the end of the book. God's people thrive and prosper because he's prepared a place for us. 
that it's not going to get any, nothing in this life is going to compare to what we'll experience in the future. You have been born again by his great mercy. But Peter goes on and he's really setting up his case for them to live this out. And he speaks about that throughout the rest of the book. But he, he, he wants to help them understand you have reasons to be hopeful no matter what. So then he goes on. He says, you've been born according to God's grace, mercy. And he says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so secondly, you could say we ought to be hopeful because you have, we have a living hope and not a dead one because Jesus is alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. So in a sense, if we're, we're saying we, we have a living hope, and the only comparison of that is a dead hope, a hope that does not work, a hope that does not satisfy, a hope that does not lift our spirits. The, the reason it's alive is because Jesus is alive. And, and that really is the foundation of our faith, isn't it? You know, wh- why do we believe what we believe? I mean, th- there are some characters in the Christmas story, whether it's Charles Dickens or others, you know, there, there is... There is a Santa Claus we will talk about and we'll see in so many different places. And, and uh, if you haven't quite figured that one out, I'm not going to tell you that story. I'm not going to be the spoiler here. But there are, there are stories out there, isn't there? Why do we believe in Jesus? Because Jesus is alive. The, the resurrection is the reason for our hope. If Jesus is still in the tomb... As Paul said in the first century, that everything I'm preaching about, everything I'm doing is, is a lie, and what you're believing in is worthless. Does anybody want to sign up to believe a lie? Well, why do you believe it's the truth? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, as you think about it, this by way of comparison, you look at all the great religions, the major religions, or even the minor ones, let's look at their founders. Without, without Christ, there is no Christianity. Would you agree? Okay, so let's, uh, let's take Buddhism. Uh, is Buddha alive? Is he still, is he in the tomb? How about Islam? Where's Muhammad? He's in, he's in a grave. How about Mormonism? Where's Joseph Smith or Brigham Young? They're in a grave. You even take... Even you take the Jewish faith, and that's the foundation for our Christian faith. But if people are simply believing in Moses and David and not the one they predicted was going to come, which is the Messiah, all of their heroes of the faith are in the tomb. And so it doesn't matter where you go. If, if, if there isn't... If there isn't Someone alive, you have a, a dead faith. If, if there isn't someone alive, you have a hope, it's a dead hope. But if Jesus is alive, we have a living hope, which is good for today. You know, I, I'm really amazed by Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because it's for today. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it talks about his loving kindness are new every morning. Why? Because we have a live faith. This speaks about the word of God is, the, is, a, is a, an alive book because it speaks into our, our lives right now. Thirdly, 
You have an inheritance that you cannot lose. Peter goes on in his, his, his explanation of why we ought to be hopeful. We're born again because of his great mercy. Uh, we have a living hope. And then he goes on and says in verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so we need to recognize that you have an inheritance that you cannot lose. And isn't this really what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 20? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. You know, let's just be honest. We're living in a world where, where, where people are saying, well, consider the science, believe the science. Well, the problem is that people on the science realm, they, they have differences of opinion, don't you? But there are certain, there are certain things that, that are scientific that people agree. There, there is such a thing as the law of inter, entropy, you know, the second law of thermodynamics. Things go from a state of order to disorder. Things go from a state of, of being intact to not being intact. Things 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 get dirty, things break, things rust, things fade away. That happens in the natural world. And Jesus and Peter say, look, at you have something in your future that will not fade away, that will not be destroyed, that you can know for certain is going to be your experience. Matt was asking, you know, have you put up any, any of your Christmas lights, right? Um, do, you ever, do you ever have that experience where you're putting them up and some of them don't work anymore? You know, half a string. How do you deal with a half a string that's out? And they say, well, just re- replace the little bowls. Well, I'm checking every single one. I can't get them all working. And as you think about it, whatever my, on Thanksgiving, we have a little space heater and uh, it's always worked in the past. And so I got it lit and, and every, as soon as I, put my hand off of it, it stopped being lit, you know. So we're wrapping, the only way I can fix things was duct tape, you know, man, we're duct taping this thing and finally we got it fixed for a while. Things in this world break down. And one of the, one of the challenges for, you know, a first world company like, world like our nation is, is, is people are wondering, well, what's going to be happening to my 401k? What's going to be happening to the things I've tried to set aside for the future? What's going to happen in terms of my retirement? Or what's going to happen to the place I'm just living in? And, and things can be destroyed immediately. Things that you've held on to very tightly. And what he's saying here, there, there's only one thing that is certain. And that which, that which God has preserved in a place for you that you can count on. We don't have to be fearful of our ultimate future because we have an inheritance that cannot be taken away. As Jesus was going, it's often used in, in services where we're remembering someone has gone on. It says, do not trouble, be troubled or be not dismayed. Fear not. For I've, go, I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. This is our ultimate hope. It's that which the world cannot take away from us. So if you're following Christ, you can be hopeful for a number of things. Number one is that you've been born again by God's great mercy. You have experienced a living hope, not a dead hope. You have an inheritance that cannot be taken away from you. And then fourthly, you have a salvation that is only going to get better. 
And, uh, you know, Peter speaks of that in, in the next words. And there's so much we could talk about in here, but we'll just, we'll just highlight some of the things he has to say here. He, he goes on and says, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, often when we think about salvation, for those who have put their life in Jesus, we say, well, what, when did you become a Christian? Tell me your story. Tell me your testimony. Tell me when you got saved. And, and, and if, if we can't think of the specific moment in time or hour or day, we, we can remember that, that time where we, we used to not really trust in Jesus, and now we do trust in Jesus. And, and we, can, we can tell that story. When we look back in the past, there's a point in time. But do you realize in, in God's mind, salvation has three tenses. It's not only the past, it's the present and the future. And if we think about salvation, it's not only what we have now, but what we're going to have. And he says it's going to be revealed for you in the last time, which simply means this. No matter how good it is now, it's going to get what? It's going to get better. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, well, I'll go on in that moment. Let me just, let me just hit this real quickly. This is a classic passage about what we can look forward in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And so as we think of everything that takes away our joy in life, our, 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 our temptation to lose hope, that's going to be taken away. And all the things that will enhance our experience in life will be given to us. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is sitting on the throne. It's only going to get better. Doesn't that bring you hope? For, for God's people, we, we can know a certain future and celebrate that. It, it's not something that... We, we can ever minimize. We, we, there's no way we can. There's no way we can over overstate what we're going to have, and so don't minimize it. You have a salvation is only get better, and he says this is protected for us, and it's going to be revealed completely in the last times. And then, real quickly, you can rejoice even when you're going through trials, and that's where it get re, gets get real as well. He says, "Okay, you're talking about my future. What about now?" In, in this, you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, and, and what he means there, by way of comparison to eternity, it might last a, a significant period of time while you're here. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the testing of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, you may be found result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here, here's where he just says something that to, a, to our natural mind doesn't make sense. I rejoice when things go well, not when things don't go well. You know, I, I rejoice when I win, not when I, when I lose. I, I rejoice when I'm pain-free, not when I'm experiencing pain. I, I rejoice when I receive, not when I lose. And take it, something's taken away from me. But he says, even though you've been encountered, in the word, there are various trials. It's the idea, look, at they come in all sizes and shapes. He said, I don't care what kind of trial you're, you're going to go through. And there's all kinds of trials to go through. He said, I want you to understand that you still can rejoice. Why? Because you have a hope. 
This is only for a little while compared to what you're going to experience for eternity. And so rejoice in that. And also, if you want to have like a little side note on that, when you go through trials, when I go through trials well, and often I don't, but when I do go through them well, God's noticing that. And sometimes people's perspective of God is he only catches us when we do something that is what? Wrong or bad or we mess up. He said he, he delights in when we do well. He says, if you just look at it from God's perspective, when you go through trials well, you can rejoice because this demonstrates to a watching world that you've got a faith that really works, right? It's the proof of your faith, how you go through trials. When things are just going great for you and you're hopeful and filled with joy, I, that's fine, but it doesn't show anything about your faith. But when things go wrong and you, and you rejoice with God because he's there in your life and he, there's a purpose for everything you go through and you give testimony to him because you trust him in the midst of all you're going through, then you, you can rejoice because God notices it. And, 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 and God delights in the praise and glory you give him when you live out your faith in a way that shows you have hope for the future. And then finally, he gets back to that theme of, of joy as well. And, and, and though, verse eight, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And let's be honest, all of us in this room did not have the experience of the disciples of that first century. We did not see Jesus face to face. And as he was writing to these believers in Asia Minor and the land of Turkey, uh, most of them did not see Jesus. They, did not, they were not among the over 500 people that saw Jesus risen from the dead physically with their eyes. But you believe in him because of the, the proof of the resurrection, because of the testimony of God's word, because of the change in people's lives. You've seen it lived out in other people's lives. He said, even though you have seen it, you, you love him. Verse 9, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And again, he says, because of this, you greatly rejoice. And what are you greatly rejoicing in? You have inexpressible joy because you believe in the one who really loves you. And again, we need to recognize that what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And when we look back at the New Testament, let's just be honest. Some of them were not living by faith in the fundamental way because they had seen Jesus do the miraculous. They had seen him raised from the dead. They were believing by sight. Now, after that, they had to live by faith because Jesus was no longer with them. But there were times when they saw the miracle, that was not faith. That was just observation. But he said, you have the opportunity to... To greatly rejoice because you believe, because you've been convinced and have experienced the love of God in your life. And this is the, the theme throughout the scripture. Real quickly, 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father's bestowed on us? And he said, look at it, I want, you, I want you to get this in your mind. You not only have love, you have a mega love, a great love that God has poured out on you. And why? Because of this simple truth. That we would be called children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Which simply saying this, look, there isn't any greater love than knowing that God loved you enough to want you in his family. What an unbelievable truth. Except it's believable because God has demonstrated it. Inexpressible joy that God loved us. 1 John 4.10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
So why, why, why should we be hopeful? You've been born again by God's great mercy. You have a living hope and not a dead one because Jesus is alive. You have an inheritance you cannot lose. No, no one can take that from you. You have a salvation that is only going to get better. You can rejoice even though you're going through trials. Consider this all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. God never wastes a test or a trial. It always makes you better when you trust in him. And you have inexpressible joy because you believe in the one who really loves you. So what's the point? What's the question this morning? Are, are you trusting? Am I trusting in Jesus who brings me hope? Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is celebrating a certain future. Because in Christ, we, we have all this. What would you, what would you, what would you want that could somehow be exchanged for all the good things that God has promised us who know him and love him? What, what price tag could you put on this? A good friend of mine that, that actually was my college pastor when I was growing up and then became a senior pastor and he went through some very difficult times. I don't go through his whole story, but there were times where he was much in despair and people were wondering how he was hanging in. And uh, there, there were those in his ministry that were attacking what was happening and even those outside were attacking him as well. And, and I said, how are you doing, John? He said, well, this is what I do know. God loves me, my wife loves me, and my kids love me. He said, that's, that's enough. And so when you think about your life, know that, that God loves you. And because God loves you, that can be enough to always give you hope that you have a certain future in Christ. And so you live in joyful anticipation an expectation of what not might happen, but will happen, and the good that God has for us who know him and trust him. Let's pray. Father, we, we're amazed at your great love and your great plan that gives us a certain hope that in the midst of a a life in a world that we don't have all the answers and we don't have all the, the perspectives and details of what is going to happen here on this planet, in this place. But we know in the midst of it that we can have joy as we go through life because you always go with us. Father, might we never forget how good you are and what you have done. And Father, there's anyone here online or in our services that hasn't made that step. Might they turn to you, admit their need, turn from their sin and believe that Jesus is the one who came and rescued us by his work on the cross, dying for our sins. And then choose to commit to follow Jesus as their Lord, God and Savior. Help us to trust you daily. Wake up each morning just delighting in the goodness for this day, the loving kindness that is new every morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.